receive all glory and honor. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And as you are seated, uh, please turn in your Bible to uh, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Yes, we're in Genesis chapter 2. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you think, I don't know if we're ever going to get there with how slow he's going through that. But here we are, and even a week early, a week earlier than I thought of when I went to bed last night. But I'm grateful for that, because this is the day that the Lord has given us this text, and um, we look forward to seeing what he has for us. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be looking in verses 1 through 3. This is God's word to us. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is God's word. The flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of our God endures forever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this word that you've given to us, this word of rest, this word of Sabbath rest. Father, this word which is important to us as we consider this seventh day of creation. Father, this is something we need so importantly, and, and I need it. We all need to experience it even now as we come to your word, as we experience that rest Father, in hearing you speak. And so, Father, would you send your spirit upon us? Father, would you revive our hearts towards the truth of your word? Father, would you strengthen us for the message you have, that we'd receive it and believe it and follow it, and that, God, that you would be glorified in our lives in it. We ask you, God, for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is very, very important that we get enough rest, especially as you think about going back to work tomorrow. I, earned the, I read this story recently uh, from U.S. News and World Report that a recent long-term study of executive heart attack victims, it showed that 75% of those who died at work died on Monday. And of those who died at home, heart attacks at home, also died on Monday. A major project said the magazine was the Monday Blues that was associated with return to work after an exhausting weekend. And so going back to work was, uh, you know, has its own life um, threats, I guess. Well, that's part of that is because we just don't like to rest at times. You know, we even in our vacations, even our time off, we like to be super busy. We like to do something and to be active. And so whether it's the stress of work life or it could be the stress of, of, of recreational life or family life, there's pressures on and finding the time to rest uh, can be hard to do. And sometimes we just don't want to. We can see how absolutely important it is. It's ab- so absolutely important to it, to, to us. And we see that because God himself rested. We see this as we look at this seventh day of creation. In fact, we'd say that God is found in rest. The Bible says constantly, wait upon the Lord. We see in the seventh day, the importance of it is that God is disclosing something about himself of where he can be known. And if we want to know him, then we're going to rest. But it may not be a rest, which we uh, think about it, just sleeping later or, or, or taking longer breaks or anything like that, but it is found in a spiritual rest. 
Now let's go a little bit in the background here. Um, background of the passage is that Genesis was given to Moses by the Lord and brought into Israel's attention um, as they had escaped from slavery under Egypt, as they were in the wilderness and they were moving into the promised land. And Genesis was given to them as a foundation for their national life. We see it as we look through these first six days of creation. We see today as we hit the seventh day. But if you continue to study on the book, you're going to see um, over and over issues of national identity which come up. Issues of, of thanksgiving which are, which are made known so that they can um, not only know who they are, but also know how to praise the God who has created them and redeemed them and delivered them and established them as a nation. It's important uh, for everyone to have a sense of identity. You know, who, whose are we? To whom do we belong? You know, what are we here for? And that's because that the world makes many, many demands upon us. It makes demands upon our time. It makes demands upon our attention. And it says, this is what you should be doing. You can see where that would come in to something like the Sabbath. Now, for Israel, they were coming out of a nation which said, you are slaves. You are our slaves. And you need to do, your time belongs to us. You need to do the things that we tell you to do when we tell you to do them. That's what they were escaping from and what they needed to be reminded of as they come out of Egypt, out of this, this statement of slavery, out of the statement of another nation saying, you belong to us, and to be reminded that indeed, ultimately, they only belong to the Lord. And as they find their identity in the Lord, that's where they're going to find their freedom. It's seeing that the demands of the world fade away under the expectations of their creator and the redeemer of God. And so, as God gives them this Sabbath passage, this declaration of what he does, it's also a declaration of what they are supposed to do. A declaration of, of where they are going to find God. It's in the rest. It's in entering and joining him in his rest. And it becomes to us an explanation of, of where we can find God. In fact, it even becomes a command for us to obey as a duty to our creator. We find fellowship with God in rest. And because we find fellowship with God in rest, we too must rest. There's enormous wariness that can happen in work. It's even more wearisome when people do it seven days a week. But how, how do people often find uh, relief from work? You know, people often solve it by more rest. Maybe if there's so much stress in their life, they might quit a job or they might retire. Um, vacations, divorce, sometimes people deal with stress by divorcing. Um, they can overwork by stress, you know, because we have to pay the bills. Maybe just unwinding with, with family. Now, here's the thing. In order to rejuvenate, what we need to truly get back to is our purpose. We need to live in light of our purpose. It's not often just these cosmetic outward things that are the most important, but it's getting back to the purpose, finding spiritual rest by reconnecting with our creator. God has shown us where he's found because he shows us where he is right now. You know, life is, is so much about relationship. 
Life is so much about relationships, relationships we have in this world, our families, our loved ones, the people that we work with, our neighbors, and all those things. And if you really want to demonstrate, you know, love in a relationship, you know how to spell that, right? It's spelled T-I-M-E. We demonstrate our love for relationship by spending time with other people, by setting aside other things to say that you're important to me. Just time with you, maybe doing the things that are interesting to you, that are important to you is important to me. Or having you come along with me and doing the things that, that, that I enjoy doing. You know, those are ways that we communicate love. is the time that we spend with one another. And the same thing is with God. And we're going to see this as we look in so much about this Sabbath uh, principle, that we, the Sabbath day that God describes here, is that God is at rest if we're going to enjoy fellowship with him, we will find it with him in rest. So we need Sabbath. I've heard that even air, airports have chapels in them. You know why? You know, the people who are frantically moving around, they know that they need rest. They need a, a connection with something which is bigger and greater than themselves, not just to sleep on the chairs, but to remember whether they're here. We need rest. Because God is in the Sabbath day. So that's what we're going to look at today, this Sabbath day, uh, why he commands us to have it later, and what we find in it. All right, so let's work a few things. The first thing we want to look at is God's rest. Here, here are my big, since you don't have an outline of my sermon in here, here are my big three points. You see three points. We're going to see God's rest, firstly. Secondly, we're going to see um, the command to rest, uh, secondly. So God's rest, God's command to rest. And thirdly, we're going to see how Jesus brings us rest. All right, so God's rest, God's command to rest, and then Jesus bringing us rest. Now, as we look through the story, uh, this, this narrative in Genesis, you know, we see God working. God is a working God. You know, we see it in the first six days as he creates the heavens and the earth. He forms them and then he fills them. And we see something that's really important for us, the dignity that work has. You know, God is, is a God who is at work. And that's one thing that we praise him for. And one thing is the image of God that we demonstrate in the things that we do. We are people who work. But God also, as we come to this Genesis chapter 2, that God knows when work is complete. God knows when work is complete and that he can rest. We see his ceasing from activity. Verse 1 says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Right? His work was complete. He could rest. He was ceasing from the work in the future. And so uh, what commentators often point to and theologians look to and what I look to is, you know, why would God rest at this point? And it's simply for the enjoyment of the things that he had done. God had created the heavens and the earth and formed it and fashioned it and filled it. And now he sees the finished work and enjoys it. The work that his hand has done and the pleasure that's in it. You may have had that in, in uh, finishing a job. I mean, sometimes work can be so repetitive, right? I know this last week uh, I was raking, or I was sweeping acorns off of our deck. Anybody have acorn problems these days? I mean, you know, I feel for you because we swept off the deck and then this last week it's totally full again, so I swept it off. And I know what I have to do later this week is sweep it off again. But still, there's something about seeing that clear deck, which is so satisfying. Like, you know, look, look what I actually accomplished. I actually accomplished something today. Now, the next day it was gone, but it was satisfying for those five minutes. 
that it was there. Well, you know, God adds this enjoyment of the things that he had done. And so he marks off this seventh day of demonstrating that his work was, was finished. In fact, if we look inside the, these, these first few chapters of Genesis, we'll see three uh, basic ordinances which are explained here. The first thing that we have is, is work and is, is dominion and labor. Here we see that in Genesis chapter 1, God giving man dominion, God calling him to work. Um, the second thing we see is in Sabbath and rest that's given after that work is done. And the third thing that we see is in marriage and children and in the family. You know, all the three things that, that all people are to um, in the, creating the image of God and to replicate and duplicate for all of time. is a recognition of these, these, these three important things. And he rested. Why? Because his work was complete. His work was, was finished. If you look back to Genesis 1, verse 2, you, can, you see that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. If you jump forward all the way to Genesis 1, 31, we see that God saw um, that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So it was, it was done. It was finished. It was perfect. It was complete. And so what does he do then is he rests. Now, we can see some of the differences if you look at the text itself. First thing you'll see is that God does not speak in this text. Remember in the previous six days, he says something, and then it is so. Here you have silence. You have a stillness, but there's a wonder. Is there a beauty to it? Just the silence and the stillness. This last week, or this last weekend, last couple days, we were at a boys' brigade camp out, and you know, just remembering with the boys and with the dads, just the stillness of nature, just the quiet of being outside and being able to enjoy nature and its quietness as opposed to being near a busy road or where there's always construction going on. Stillness and quiet is just wonderful as we look at this passage. Everything was in place. You know, you can imagine that complete satisfaction in a job well done, in a job that's very good and it's finished. And the earth will grow. There will continue to be uh, plants that grow and animals that multiply and people that will, will multiply. But in this case, not by a special creation of God speaking into existence, but through the natural procreative act that we see in these places. It's, it's standing on its own, and, and, and God is providentially caring for it, you know, ensuring that all those things take place. He still cares for it. He's still involved with it, but the, but the, the, the creative work. Has, has ceased. Now he works in the work of providence. You also see something that there's no end of this day. If you look at the other six days, you see there was evening, there was morning, the first day, the second day, all the way down to the sixth day. But here, at the end of this seventh day, there is no end. It shows us something important that what is God doing now? Is he's resting. God is at rest, no longer creating. Now, we need to remember this, that, that rest does not mean inactivity. Rest is not the same thing as inactivity, and sometimes we think that it is. Um, you know, it's not a retreat into nothingness. In fact, if you turn your Bible, I don't have slides, so I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible. Yes, flip in your Bible or, or poke there uh, if you're on your phone. Turn your Bible to, Genesis, to John chapter 5, verse 17. John 5, 17. And Jesus speaks about his own father. And notice what he says about his father here. Uh, Jesus answered them, my father is working. Until when? Until now. And I am working. 
So even in sight of God's rest and being continued rest, we see that God's continued activity. You see God's action in providentially caring. We see God's hand in the miracles, which he did. John Calvin says, Inasmuch as God sustains the world by his power, governs by it by his providence, cherishes and even propagates all creatures, he's constantly at work. Not the work of creation, but the work of providence, and he is. And so what is rest then? What is rest? Rest is found in relational enjoyment. It's found in relational enjoyment. I mean, it may be for us in the enjoyment of God's created world. It might be in the enjoyment of, of God himself. And it might be in the enjoyment of other people. Those are the things which we often find so restful. Or just a quiet time to, uh, you know, think about ourselves. That relational engagement we have made with ourselves. But what you see is, you know, God, in resting here, has this relational engagement with his creation and everything in it. All the animals, man and woman. You know, if we flip ahead over to Genesis chapter 2 and 3, uh, the rest of chapter 2 and 3, we see God's communion with Adam and Eve in the garden. We see of him walking in the garden and as a habitual, regular practice. You know, why? Because there's a relational connection. That's all part of God's rest and Adam and Eve's enjoyment of God inside of the rest. God is enjoying his creation. All right, so that's our picture of God at rest here. Well, let's look at secondly at this command to rest, this, this, this command to rest that we see in the scripture. Because again, what we see happening in uh, Genesis chapter two, verses one through three, it becomes a paradigm as a command of which God gives to his, to, to his people. Um, so let's see, we see, if you look down at verse 3, uh, Genesis 2, 3, it says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He took the seventh day and he set it apart. He made it as something different. He made it as something special for himself. And then he marked it as something special again for all of creation. Holy, set apart, different. And to be lived differently, not only in his own example, but for us. It's something that's given to us perpetually. Again, remember, this day doesn't have an end. It's something that is, um, you know, as God's perpetual work goes on, so the command to, to observe Sabbath goes on perpetually. So in light of this, I want you to turn uh, in your Bible to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to look at that command. Again, this is part of the Ten Commandments. It's that fourth commandment that's there. Um, the fourth commandment, and we can see in, in Exodus chapter 20, in verse 8, it says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Right? So it was the same thing that he did is the same thing that we are to do. He goes on, verse 9, six days you are to labor and do all your work. You see this, this validity that's given to hard work, diligence. Verse 10, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. And why? Why? And here's what's important. Look at verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You know, so we see here God's model 
of his own wrestling on the seventh day then gets filtered down into an obligation of which he calls his people to absorb to observe themselves you know as as god has has done it he is our creator and he enjoys that relational connection with his creation so he calls his creation to make sure you remember that to make sure that this relational connection with god is something that we need to do it becomes a moral obligation for us not just some ceremonial thing that we do but moral obligation as all the rest of the commandments moral obligation of of of, of loving um, interaction with our god and with our creator turn over to exodus uh, 31 exodus 31 what we see you turn to exodus 31 is what's, you know, humanly speaking, what's even going on with God in this passage, right? You see this, this covenant uh, time that's made, a special time that's made between uh, God and his people becomes a covenant, uh, part of the covenantal sign. You know, the other nations didn't have this Sabbath day. They didn't have this time that was committed to, to set it out. In fact, I've, I've heard, again, I didn't get to do all my research, but I've heard that even something like um, during the French Revolution, you know, one of the things that they wanted to get rid of was the Sabbath day, you know, and the, the pressing on of, of um, the, the agenda that the, that the, of, of the revolution uh, was, you know, to build a 10-day work week to get rid of the Sabbath. And what people found out, it just wore them out over time. It destroyed the nation. It, it didn't help the nation to continue to, to grow and to prosper. You know, and well, you see, other nations, those who uh, don't have that relationship with God, those who oppose, the God, oppose God, you know, they don't want the seventh day. You know, greedy people don't want the seventh day. You know, they want to pull every bit that they can out of us in work. But you see, God commands this seventh day. It becomes a covenant sign, something that is unique for them. So let's look at Exodus 31, uh, verse 12 through 17. And the, and the Lord said to Moses... You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Remember, there's something to, re- to be remembered. God is the one who blesses them. God is the one who makes them holy. God is the one who separates them. And it's a sign between, between the two of them, between God and his nation Israel. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does not work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. You see how important it was to God and his people. Verse 16, therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It's part of that relationship they have with God. Verse 17, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and the seventh day he rested. Look at that, and he was refreshed. You know, again, you know, I think that's a human way of speaking of, of God's enjoyment of this day, that he was refreshed in that relational connection that he has with the world. It's really something that we need also. We need it very much that we are refreshed. I read a story about uh, pony or donkeys. Um, in the old days, the ponies and mules, they were used to haul out uh, gold in the mining camps. And a man once asked the little boy why there were so many ponies and mules out on the field on Sunday. 
And the little boy answered, he said, well, they work all week in the mines. We bring them up on Sundays so they won't go blind. You know, they need the refreshment to be able to see light because if they don't see it, they just won't be able to see for the work that they need to do. We need that same sort of refreshment. And so God commands the Sabbath rest. If you turn over to Hebrews, Hebrews also speaks about the Sabbath rest. Uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. And here we see, you know, again, speaking about rest as being the presence of God. Right? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that the hope of heaven? Is to be able to be in the presence of God and be with him forever. And what we'll see in this passage is the Bible describes that as a rest. But what, is it, what are we called to on the Lord's Day? What are we called to as we come to worship? But it's to be in his presence. Look at verse 4. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should see, seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Be a terrible thing not to enter rest. You see that? Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken in the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest, it has also rested from his works, as God did from his You see, the way that it talks about is rest, being in the presence of God, whether it's the rest of the promised land or the rest of glory in being with God in all of of heaven. And so rest is being in his presence. And so, you know, we're told in the Bible where two or three are gathered together in my name, you know, where the church assembles, we know that God is present together with them. And it's funny, even as I am up here today and preaching and some people say, well, you know, know, that's work for you. Well, it's really not technically work because what? I'm just using my gift to glorify God in the presence of God, just as we all are. We just all have a different responsibility that we all have this day. You know, mine today is to to preach and to speak, and I find that enormously restful because it reminds me who I am, am what I'm here for, and who my God is. And does that have a power to steer me through the rest of the week? You know, you bet it does. That's why it's also important for us as we come, as we listen, as we hear. Because that's the work, if you will, of coming and resting, being God's presence and listening to his word, thinking about our lives, thinking about how we're um, acting inside of, of our lives, the decisions that we're making. And remember why we're here, what we're created for, and how that affects the decisions that we make throughout the, the rest of the week. So rest, then, is not just simply Recreation. Sometimes we think that rest is recreation and vacations. There's nothing wrong with recreation or vacations, but we see ultimately what is rest about? Rest is about being in the presence of God. And so, how do we fulfill that most faithfully? Is that we go where He says to go, we go where He says He's going to be. 
You know, this is the argument for, you know, honoring the Lord's Day, honoring this, this call that, that God has given to us to assemble and to worship. William Wilberforce was a man who, um, you know, knew the value of the, the Sabbath. And he, uh, he once said this, Blessed be God for the day of rest and religious occupation, wherein earthly things assume their true size. Isn't that what they do? You know, that we come together on Lord's Day and things get their right size. This seems so big this week. It seemed so big uh, when I was at work this week. It even, this fight even seemed so big when I was wrestling with my kids or my wife this morning. And then I come here today and I come in the rest before God and I realize, you know, maybe these things aren't such a big deal as I'm treating them. Wilberforce also had an experience of a uh, political friend who committed suicide and he recognizes this person had no rest. His observations with peaceful Sundays, the strings would never have snapped as they did from overtension. You know, even in our greatest discouragements and depressions, you know, we need to come before our God who speaks hope into our lives. Rest is not recreation, but it's connecting with our God, and it's so important. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on in the Lord's day, isn't there? You know, it's a spiritual warfare where we realize that, that the, the thing that we come in to do, the rest that we come to do, is so important. It's important for the good of our souls. And we're reminded why we're here, what we're supposed to do, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that really leads us then into our last point, the last point, which is how Jesus brings us to God's rest. Jesus is the one who brings us into God's rest. I want you to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Turn to Deuteronomy 5. Remember before, we talked about the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is, you know, remember the Sabbath day. And you remember the reason why he gave for remembering the Sabbath day? And he gave it because of creation. God created six days and he rested on the seventh day. It's a model for us to follow. Well, what's interesting in Deuteronomy 5, he gives a different reason. That's what I want you to pay attention to here. Deuteronomy 5, uh, starting in verse 12. Again, this is the Ten Commandments reiterated. And he says this, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Okay, we're good, right? Remember this. We read this before. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock, or the sojourners within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Okay, remember those things. Verse 15. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You see, his reason is different, right? His reason is salvation. His reason is redemption. Though you used to be slaves to this nation, which demanded your work, demanded your time belong to them, I've saved you, I've redeemed you by my hand, and I'm delivering you to a promised land where, you know, you're mine, and you're mine, and I love you. I care for you. I don't treat you like the Egyptians did. I'm not lording over your time in a cruel and harsh way like they did. No, we're in covenant relationship together for blessing together. And so remember of the way that I moved oceans and moved people and pharaohs in order to see your deliverance. Well, what a model is that for us as we remember our own creator and our own redeemer. 
you know, that in the same way that they remember their rest from their slavery as they're going to the promised land because of God's redemption. So we remember that God has redeemed us from the slavery of sin. God has uh, saved us from the tyranny of the demands of this world. And God has said, I love you. I've redeemed you. You are mine. You belong to me in love and for blessing and for growth. Jesus, when he was on the cross, some of his last words in John 19.30 were, it is finished, right? You can almost hear God's ending words at the end of creation there. You know, there was a sixth day. He said it was very good. And here we have Jesus dying on the cross, and he says, it is finished. And we saw what he did in that statement that it is finished. He paid the penalty of sin. He paid the, the, the wrath that was due in order to restore us with our God. Sin was paid for. Sin was atoned for. There's nothing more for us to work to accomplish for our salvation because he did it all. And we can read in a passage like Hebrews chapter 4, which we already read, that it's through that faith in Christ that we enter into God's rest. How many of us are trying to be good enough, to be righteous enough, to be sorry enough, uh, to be sorrowful enough over our sin, or to do enough good things that we would be able to finally be able to rest and that we'd have the sense that, oh, now God has forgiven me. Now I'm okay. And what Jesus reminds us as he dies on the cross is that he has paid that price. He has done all that is necessary that we can enter in that relationship with God to know of his acceptance, to know of his love, and to know of his presence with us in the payment of sin. Colossians chapter 2, if you want to turn there, Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15, says this. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. It says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, like you're dead, there's nothing to offer, you know, and sometimes we're trying to bring ourselves to life, right, by working hard enough, and then we see what he says. He made alive together with Christ, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt which stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. You know, that's Jesus' victory over sin. That's Jesus' victory over death. Not something that, that we're called to uh, continually uh, try, to, try to earn for ourselves, but a reminder that God has done it in his son, Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, You've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And Jesus had made the way to rest. Your rest is trusting in Jesus Christ. Rest is the justification that comes in Jesus Christ. In other words, that he has paid our sins. He's a, he has imputed, given to us all of his righteousness. And so we stand righteous before God, knowing that he accepts us because of what Christ has done. And how many of us are trying to prove ourselves, to justify ourselves, to show this is why I'm an important person. This is why God accepts me. This is why I'm good, instead of looking towards the finished work of Christ, where he has declared that you are righteous on the basis of his righteousness and his righteousness alone. The only way to escape the demands of this world is to remember that Christ is our Sabbath rest. Otherwise, you're going to be proving yourself. You keep trying to prove yourself. 
in some way or another. Could be in your work, could be in your family, could be in your sports and your recreations or those things. But what is needed to escape the demands of the world? You know, the pressure, those those things are there. We're still going to have difficulty in life. We're still going to have those things. But there's a peace that goes beyond it and a restfulness that goes beyond it in knowing that our Savior has given his life for us and we're accepted in Christ. So that's, that's our pattern. It's a pattern that's given to us that God has himself. It's a pattern for our own good. It's a regu- it's a, uh, and and it, for us, it's a regular declaration of our true identity, right? We're not identified by the things we buy or the things that we make. Uh, we're not defined by our one-upsmanship from other people. You know, our greed, um, you know, we're reminded that, you know, our greed just destroys us. You know, we are set free from slavery to work, you know, from, from anxiety and fear and a declaration that we belong to God who cares for us and has done all that we need for us. You're reminded of, you know, of the difficulty that many have. I mean, many people have to work. You know, we live in a, in a society, certainly, that, that is, is um, you know, there's more and more demands on people's time to work. And maybe you're somebody who has to work on, on Sundays, Maybe you're someone who really struggles in order to get to church. Maybe that's why um, you're watching online maybe at, at another time. You know, and we're reminded of a rest that has to come from the Lord. We remember who he says we are. And we live in who he says we are. We're reminded of, of slaves of, of, um, of a couple centuries ago. You know, and, and the value that they had in the Sabbath day, though they had to work in the fields and though they lived as slaves, is the one hope that they found was that they belonged to another, that Jesus Christ was their hope. Jesus Christ was the one who would give them rest and finding rest in light of a very difficult life and di- very difficult situation. How about you? Do you value the day if you're able? Is it something that you value? Is it something that you honor as a part of your life and you know the blessing of it? A couple stories for you. One was a, about two foresters. Two foresters. They were competing against one another and they, the, the competition was to see who could cut down the most trees in a, in a day. And one was a young guy and the other was an older guy, an experienced older guy. And the day of the competition, the, the young guy, he jumped up first thing and he, and he got at it eight hours straight of cutting trees. And at the end of the day, he looked and he'd cut down 25 trees. And, you know, he knew he's strong. You know, he knew the older guy wouldn't be able to compete with that. Um, you know, not only was he stronger than the other guy, but he also looked at the other guy, and every hour he'd take a 10-minute break. And he said, no way, he couldn't have done any more than I did. Well, you can imagine how surprised he was at the end of the day to discover that the man had cut down 40 trees. And he shook his head, and he said, I mean, how is that possible? I mean, I did not stop, and you stopped every hour for 10 minutes or so, and yet you chopped down almost twice as many trees as I did. How did you do that? The older man said, you know, I know, I know, I, I understand your question, and you were working hard. You were, you were sweating, you were grunting, and you were groaning. But I sat down for 10 minutes, and I did two things during that time. The first thing is I uh, recovered some strength, and the second thing is I sharpened my axe. <laughs> you were working hard, but you were working with dull equipment. Well, how many of us is that true of? You know, we might be really working hard, but as we forget, Sabbath with our God, time with our God, that we're working with 
dull equipment. There's another story of, of seven unmarried brothers, seven unmarried brothers, and they lived together in a large house. Uh, six went out to work each day, but one stayed home. And this brother, the seventh brother, had the, the place all lit up when the other six arrived home from work. He also had the house warm, and most importantly, had a delicious, full-course dinner ready for his hungry brothers. And one day, the six brothers decided that the one who had been staying home should get to work. It's not fair, they said, for one of them to stay home while uh, the rest of us have to slave at our jobs. And so they made the seventh brother find work too. But when they all came home the first night, there was no light, there was no warmth, and worst of all, there, were no, there was no hearty dinner waiting for them um, on the table. And the next night was the same thing, darkness, cold, hunger, and so soon they went back to their former arrangement. It's a day of rest and worship that keeps the other six days bright, isn't it? It's the way that it keeps things warm and, nourish, and nourishing for us. When we forget the Lord's day. Ultimately, we hurt only ourselves. Are you honoring it as a day that God rested? As a day that God commands? As a day that God reminds us of, what, of who he is and what he's like and that love is spelled time? Is it a day that we're reminded of his great work of salvation on our behalf? Is it a day that we remember as something that's done for our good? A day to be with God and to remember the great things that he's done for us. It's a day of satisfaction, a day of satisfaction in the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day, a great day of rest and gladness. Father, help us to receive it as it is, as a gift. Father, to welcome it and to grow in it. Father, for the rest of the work you have for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's continue to worship. Our closing hymn is going to be on the